0: Welcome to ESG in 10, a podcast delving into the world of ESG, 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Charlotte O'Mara, Senior ESG Specialist at Fedante. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of ESG in 10. I am delighted to be joined in the podcast studio today by Kirstine Morrison, Senior Portfolio Manager from Impacts Asset Management. Kirstine will be sharing her insights on how the current inflationary environment may impact the transition to a sustainable economy and what that means for the future. Kirstine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, starting off on the current environment, are there any parallels between the pandemic and climate change in terms of the impact on inflation? I think there are some interesting parallels to be drawn between
1: the impact of pandemic on inflation and what might happen in a disorderly transition in terms of climate change. If you think about the pandemic, it created a lot of supply side challenges. There was disruption to labor, supply chain disruptions. Um, We had um, the issue of uh, inventory shortages. Um, That was all inflationary in terms of the impact on, on companies. But we also had responses from government where they were trying to mitigate some of those negative impacts and also to protect people who weren't able to work during the pandemic. And that meant that they were putting in fiscal support. They were printing money um, to protect the economy. And they were also cutting interest rates, all of which added to an inflationary pressure. So we saw an inflation shock. Now, what I think is uh, quite interesting as a window on what might happen in a disorderly transition going forward with respect to climate change is that we're going to not have the whole globe impacted at the same time, but more and more parts of the global economy are going to move from a chronic climate situation where there is a chronic situation of heating um, and, and, and associated impact to more acute pockets where there's really quite problematic um, outcome resulting from climate change. So it's not the whole world all in one at one time, but an increasing amount of the global economy is going to be impacted by some of these same forces that lead to inflationary shock. And it will come through once again, through labor uh, disruption, supply chain disruption, inventory, but also food shortages. Um, And we also might get stranded assets. Um, assets that can no longer be operated and capital that moves from one part of the world to another. So in terms of the supply side challenges, whilst climate change won't impact the globe in quite the same way that the pandemic did in terms of all at the same time, an increasing amount of the global economy is going to be negatively impacted and those inflationary pressures are going to build. And we will also see governments seek to mitigate the risk to their local economies. Um, by acting, and that could mean um, emergency rate cuts, small quantitative easing, um, crisis management. And the problem with crisis management is that it's more likely to have an inflationary impact. So there's quite strong parallels between the pandemic and the inflationary outcome, and disorderly transition not being prepared for climate change and inflationary outcome. But it doesn't have to be that way If in fact we were to um, plan ahead and think about an orderly transition, you can spread the inflationary impact over time and make it more manageable. So if you invest more in mitigation to slow the temperature or prevent temperature increase, and if you invest to try and stop um, some of the problems to adapt so that you're more resilient to the impacts of climate change, it means that your supply chain disruption will be less. It means that your disruption to um, employment and to productivity levels of labor will be less. It means you're less likely to have stranded assets. It means that governments are increasing their spending in a more gradual way rather than large pockets of QE at, at different times. And it means that you're spreading that inflationary pressure over time. So it will be more inflationary in the short term but at a more manageable level and you're spreading the
0: inflationary impacts over time, making it more manageable overall. Very interesting uh, perspective. And, and I think from an investor's perspective, there are a lot of risks that you've flagged there and, and also a lot of challenges, not just for investors for the globe, but if we just take a step at back and focus on investors, how can how best can investors navigate this more volatile backdrop? Yes, yeah, so if you think about the consequence, well, how
1: governments might react to, to that inflationary pressure building, it's likely that they're going to um, have to raise interest rates from time to time, which is what we're seeing at the moment. And that means that growth is going to be interrupted from time to time. So that's the volatile backdrop that we're, we're describing. It's less volatile in a managed transition than in a disorderly transition. But there's still likely to be, um, from time to time, these uncertainties and volatility. So the way that we think that investors can protect themselves and manage against these risks is to focus on investing in companies that are benefiting from the transition to a more sustainable economy. So actually investing in companies that are providing the solutions and the products and services that are helping companies mitigate and adapt. And so actually becoming part of the solution and that means that you're going to have better structural growth and that's a a positive tailwind to help you through the the, the more volatile times. And then investing in companies where the environmental social risks are really well understood. So I think that um, integrating ESG into your analysis is really important because whilst there can be opportunity from the transition companies also need to be mindful of their key material risks and where they themselves could have a stranded asset where you don't have water to run your equipment anymore or you're uh, running out of um, availability of staff issues Um, so really understanding how to manage your climate risk and your human capital risk um, Mm -hmm. are are things that we're very focused on
0: and i really like how you've spoken about both risks and opportunities because I completely agree with you. I think there is so much opportunity and innovation in terms of the transition and some of the emerging themes. And you mentioned AI as as another big focus area for the economy and for the world in general, but it's also really important that ESG risks are mitigated effectively. Um, And so, Kirstein, you've had a 25-year career in sustainability. How has this space evolved in that time and what do you see as the future of sustainability? Um, yes, so
1: my um, interest in the area um, was triggered by the Asian financial crisis in uh, 97, 98. And I saw the negative impacts of the dislocation on the Asian economies from the crisis. And at that time, there wasn't a QE solution. Um, the IMF uh, came forward with some very strict uh, adjustment programs for their local economies, um, Thailand and, and other markets in the, in, the, in the Asian region. And seeing the dislocation that that caused and the um, turmoil, the upheaval in, the, in their local economies really caused me to rethink um, my investment philosophy. And so at the time, um, we'd already had ethical funds around for some time. But that was really around the time that socially responsible investing was, was beginning to be considered and, and, and evolving. And so there was this um, broader concept of considering the social side of, of things. So how people were treated in the, in the labor force, um, how, uh, whether, whether um, you were using child labor in your supply chain, there were lots of social sides starting to get considered as well as the environmental footprint. And then that over time has evolved into this concept of sustainable investing, where there's a a, a much broader understanding of the opportunities and the risks um, and integrating ESG, the consideration of the risk side as well as the opportunity side. I think that over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of um, interest in ESG and in sustainability. Um, and I think there's a really um, bright future. There's lots of regulatory change. There's lots of um, oversight of what do different terms mean and are people who are offering products actually following through um, and delivering what they're promising and how aligned are funds to what they say they're doing. Um, so there are terms such as uh, greenwashing and rainbow washing, washing, which is associated with this um, SDG alignment. But I think that this is going to be a... a um, uh, whilst there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of controversy as a result of that, I think there's a really bright future for sustainability. And the way that we have chosen to reduce some of the misunderstanding is to separate it into two areas, as you described risk and opportunity. Um, we describe the opportunity set as the alignment to the transition. What are the products and services that a company is producing? And are they aligned to the transition? Are they helping solve the problems that we're facing? And then we look at the footprint of risk that a company has by virtue of what it's doing. What are the key material risks that they're facing? And are they managing those risks well? And that for us is ESG. And um, having less risk than the global economy in terms of the transition. And then aligning yourself to areas of growth. So you have less transition risk, well-managed, and more growth opportunity.
0: And we think that that can help investors to deliver our performance. And that's a very hopeful message for the future of sustainability to finish on. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you. And that is a wrap for this episode of ESG in 10. Thank you to Kirsteen Morrison and Impacts Asset Management for sharing their insights on inflation, climate change, and the transition to a sustainable economy. If you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The content today was produced by Melanie James with audio production by Jonathan Stilianu. I'm Charlotte O'Mara and this is ESG in 10 with Fidante.